are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me on Twitter, at Kuka Hill NBA. You can find me over on YouTube, at Coos Ballroom. You can also find me at Detroit Bad Boys, writing articles about the Pistons. And today... We have another guest, one of my editors over at Detroit Bad Boys. See, the funny thing is, is I made sure to say one of my editors because I had Laz on my podcast last year, uh, my own podcast, and I said the editor, and it was he is not the editor. He's one of my editors. He made sure to point me point that out last year, so I made sure to say one of my editors. But Laz, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. That's part of the editing process, right? And see, now you're a better podcaster for it. See? See? I'm doing my job. <laughs> there you go. Yep. I am definitely taking your stuff in and getting better in stride. Uh, but I don't know if you guys listened to yesterday's podcast, but yesterday we had Locked On NBA Draft host Richard on here. We talked about Kay Cunningham. We're going to be doing more of the same today, except we're going to get Laz's perspective on things. And instead of talking about Jalen Green, I mean, we are going to talk about Jalen Green, but we're also going to talk about another prospect that could possibly be a better uh, prospect than Jalen Green, or if the Pistons were to go a different route than Kay Cunningham, uh, I'm going to ask Laz about a different prospect. But before we get into all that, Laz, the Pistons won the number one overall pick, obviously. Before we get into anything else, just tell me what was your reaction. I've asked every guest that's a fan of the Pistons when they come on here, I want to know their reaction to just what was your reaction when you saw the Houston Rockets card come up at number two? See, that's how I know you're a true fan, Koo, because it's not even like when you saw the, the Pistons uh, logo come out of the envelope. It's when you saw Houston's logo come out at yep. two that you were like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, you know what time it is. Um, I screamed. I'm, I'm in my office right now. I ran around my office a little bit. Um, shout out to the guys at Woodward Sports. They had me on in their live YouTube show for uh, for the NBA draft. So, like, Three minutes later, I had to like stop screaming and do like a YouTube hit. <laughs> like that, that was interesting and really cool. I didn't really have words. It's like it was funny too because like I never like if you follow me on Twitter, which you should at last chance at l a z c h a n c e, you know that like I didn't even really talk that much about Cade like leading up to the lottery, just because like I just had it in my mind that like the Pistons weren't going to get the number one pick, right? Like that wasn't what was going to happen. So it did happen. And now it's just like it's crazy every day I like think about it and wake up and it's like this this is what like the Pistons have the option right at at the best player uh, in the draft in a year in which it's really it's a really good year to have the best player uh, to have the number one pick and the chance of the best player in the draft. So I was really excited. I was really hyped. Um, my stepdad called me. My my college roommate called me. I had a bunch of people who know I'm a big Pistons fan just like text me and say like congratulations. That is Celtics fan. Text me and Celtics be like congratulations, <laughs> congratulations. So like yeah, it was it was a really good night. It was a really good night, and you know I was scared. I'd wake up the next morning and uh, the Pistons actually got three, and I was like okay, that's cool. I was just hallucinating or whatever, <laughs> but uh, it turned out to not be the case. So yeah, it's been it's been a really great. Oh, what, what's it been like? Three weeks. Two and a half I think weeks? so. Yeah, Something two like and a half that. Weeks. It's been it's been a solid two weeks. We got another what like another solid fifteen days or so to go. So you mentioned it in there that you know the, the Pistons have the chance to take the best player in this draft at number one. Uh, I wish there was all sunshine and rainbows about that. You know as good as I do, uh, everyone that's listened to the podcast. Uh, it, it just hasn't been that way over the past few weeks. Ever since the Pistons won the, uh, the lottery, we haven't been able just to sit back and celebrate and rejoice that Kay Cunningham's becoming a Piston because there's been nonstop speculation that the Pistons may trade out of it. The Pistons may like Jalen Green more. They may uh, swap with Houston. There's been rumors recently about OKC possibly having a package to go up and get Kay Cunningham. Um, what was your Before we dive into those speculations and these rumors, just what's your overall thoughts when you see these like flooding your TL and just all kinds of Pistons fans like losing their mind, like the episode of SpongeBob and people just running across Bikini Bottom, pitchforks, fire, every, the, the Bikini Bottom's on fire. Just what's your reaction when you see these things? I get it. Right. Like 
from if you take yourself out of like the Detroit fans perspective and you look at it from like a Houston fan perspective, right? Like if you really think Kate is the best player in this draft, which I do, is like but you also really think the other prospects behind him are also like great players. Like and and Houston is sitting on everything they got from the James Harden trade, right? Like it makes sense to expend some of that to uh to move up in the lottery and get the actual best player, especially when you look at the roster for Houston, they like they weren't supposed to be as bad as they were last year, right? They got really hurt by injuries. Um, they they made the Kevin Porter Jr. pickup kind of midway through the year that helped them out a lot. Um, Christian Wood got hurt for a decent like chunk of games, and so that like really precipitated their slide. And so like yeah, if I was a Houston fan, like and you told me. I could put like Kate in the backcourt. Like you could convince me that like we'd be, you know, not terrible right away, and with the potential to like add on top of that uh, even more. And so like yeah, I I get it. Like Cleveland fans, similar thing, right? Like they were they were in the playoff picture or the play in picture up until the last couple of weeks of the season. Um, and like OKC, I get oh like OKC a hundred percent makes sense because you know Cade, Oklahoma State guy, like the marketing pitch thing like writes itself for like instant fan base in Oklahoma city, um, Oklahoma city sitting on like a even bigger treasure trove of future assets. Everyone in the NBA knows they can't, they literally can't use all those picks, right? Like you, you could have the best developmental situation uh, in the league and you, you can't use like 17 extra draft picks over the next five years or whatever they have. And so it makes sense to do some sort of consolidation and this is a good year to do it. And so, like, yeah, it, it, it makes sense why people think that there's interest in other teams. Like, with that said, like, I'm going to put myself back in the, the Pistons fan <laughs> zone. It's like um, Detroit doesn't have that treasure trove of assets, right? And the whole point of OKC and Houston, you know, building that pile of assets is to get a guy like Cade. And so if you can get a guy like Cade without having to jump through all the hoops, just do that. Just do that. That that's the way I've been thinking about it, at least. So yeah, like that, you know, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it, right? I understand the ecosystem. I understand how things work. But uh at the end of the day, I do think the Pistons are just gonna hashtag just take Cade. Yeah, hopefully. I, I, I hope the same. Uh there is something I wanted to ask you about that. Um you know what? This is crazy. This happens all the time on the podcast, and you guys listening know this. I completely just have brain farts where I have like a question in my head that I want to ask, and I just completely forget it when I'm about to ask it. Uh, but anyways, oh, this is what I was going to say. Um, the Pistons, the thing, I've mentioned this multiple times on the podcast, that I feel like the Pistons are in a position where, like like you said, they don't have a whole ton of assets right now, but I've mentioned before that I believe that Troy Reaver is kind of trying to stackpile up those assets to where I believe possibly maybe like in the next two years, some of these young guys that everyone likes could be like packaged together and moved to get like another a big guy if they do get Cade and Cade is the guy. Um, the reason for me that I say, outside of the fact that Cade is probably the best player in the, in the draft, obviously outside of that, another thing for me is that the Pistons are in a position, like for example, look at the playoffs over the past like few weeks. How many former Pistons do you see all over the place? Like you see them everywhere. You just don't see them as number one or number two guys. Like the Pistons have been good at being able to get, like, role players and, like, decent guys and decent starters on their team. They've just never been able to get that guy. So, right now, the Pistons have Jeremy Grant, who, I mean, however your opinion on him moving forward is, he's at least a really good player. If you think he could become, like, a 2A or 1A kind of, or 1B kind of guy, okay. But at the very least, he's a really good player. And then you also got a couple other guys that are developing, like Sadiq Bey, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Frank Jackson, etc. They got a bunch of, like, good – decent to good prospects along with a guy like Jeremy Grant. I feel like what they're missing, they don't need to go try to find, like you said, get these trade, get a trade that helps them get more of role players or decent to good guys. Like they've been missing for a better part of like my life. Like even going back to the going to work team, people say like that was just a good starting five. Like or that was the best starting five. They don't say, Oh, look at Chauncey, the franchise guy or Ben Wallace, look at the franchise. They say the best five. So I feel like you might even have to go back to Grant Hill when the Pistons had the guy. So that's before I was even born. So like the Pistons need, in my opinion, the guy they've desperately needed that for a very long time. And like you said, in my opinion, you just don't pass up the opportunity to get that when you've been gifted that number one overall pick, something the Pistons have not had in 50 years. When you get this chance, take the guy and just don't overthink it at all. That's just my opinion on it. No, I mean, I, I, I get where you're coming from totally. Um, 
it has been interesting to watch the the playoffs and see how many like former Pistons and think about the the roster construction and everything. Um, but like that was something we kind of knew in the moment, right? Like even in uh, when you had the team making the playoffs in 2015, right? Like you you really felt like they were they were building something, but they were also like building something around like that starting five, right? Like that, or like a, a good starting unit. They were doing the equivalent of like those Budenholzer Atlanta Hawks teams, right? And those Budenholzer Atlanta Hawks teams always got blown out by LeBron and the Pistons. Pistons never had a, a LeBron type. Kate is not LeBron. Like I don't, I don't want to go that far. I don't want to exaggerate, but he's like that. He's that type of player. He's that type of offensive engine. Um, that the Pistons have sorely lacked since, like, yeah, since Grant Hill, essentially. So, yeah, we're going to dive a little bit more into Kay Cunningham, the prospect, him versus Jalen Green, and him versus another prospect, which I'm going to continue to tease until later on in the episode. But before we get into all that, let me tell you guys who my Michelob Ultra player uh, moment of the week is. So we're going back to the Pistons season, the end of the Pistons season. We went Last week, I went with Giannis in the playoffs. The week before that, I went with another moment in the playoffs. Usually, I've been going moments in the playoffs. But this week, I want to go back to the Pistons season. I want to talk about Sekou Dumboyer's close to the season. That right there gave me the most happiness and joy watching the Pistons. I enjoyed the hell out of watching Sekou play well down that stretch. Specifically, if you really want me to be honest, it really started with the OKC game right after he received that DMP against the New York Knicks in a big blowout. He came out against OKC and started showing the aggression, the strength, the drive to the rim the the awareness the development that we ended up seeing the rest of the year and that right there of everything throughout the Pistons season we had Killian Hayes play pretty well towards the uh not pretty well but better down the stretch we had Frank Jackson's development come out of nowhere we had Isaiah Stewart's development like we had all kinds of things going for the Pistons throughout the year but the thing that brought me the most enjoyment the most happiness the of this past season for the Pistons I gotta be honest was seeing Sekou finally break through uh, towards the end of that season, in the final third of his season, I would believe you would call it, him play really well and show that there's something there with him and something had clicked, and hopefully the Pistons can build on that moving forward, and so can Sekou. So Sekou Dumboyer's final third of the season is my Michelob Ultra moment of the week. All right, last, so let's dive straight into the Jalen Green thing, man. So obviously the, the rumors going on right now, is that the Pistons, I believe there was a rumor by Lockdown's very own Evan Damarill of the Lockdown Cavs podcast. He tweeted out the Pistons were, ena- I believe the word's enamored. Did I say that right? Enamored? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> but it seems like that they're enamored with Jalen Green and the Houston Rockets are obviously very much like Cade. And they're saying that, you know, possibly a trade could happen there. Uh, it's been nonstop ever since the Pistons won the lottery that possibly they really like Jalen Green. And maybe they like him more than Cade. Uh, Laz, do you, one, you know what, we'll break this up into three spots. First, do you buy any of this, you personally, just as a Pistons fan, a Pistons writer, a Pistons podcaster, do you buy it? Yeah, absolutely. I buy that the Pistons were evaluating Jalen Green uh, highly coming into this year's draft with the expectation that, like, they would get a shot at him just because, like, they finished with the second worst record. I buy that they see that Jalen Green is a really good prospect that fits uh, alongside what they already have in place next to a dude like Killian, next to a guy like Sadiq Bey. Um, we, we talked a little bit earlier with uh, about Grant Hill and offensive engines. Like Jalen Green, clearly very talented on the offensive end, um, would be uh, the most, would be like one of the most dynamic uh, offensive players the Pistons have ever had, like in down the year, like in, in three years or whatever. You could definitely see that. And so, like, yeah, I can see why Jalen Green holds a lot of intrigue and why a team like the front, the Pistons would be interested in drafting him. Like, that, that, that makes sense to me, right? Like, would, uh, is, uh, is Cade, like, is Cade, do I still have Cade ranked higher? Like, yes, but that's not to, that's not to put down Jalen Green. That's just to, to uplift Cade, right? Like, that, that's how I try and look at it. So I'll tell you what my thought is about it. And you tell me if you agree with me, or if you disagree with me, my overall th- take about this, and I've been saying this for weeks on here, you guys can back me up, is that, yes, I'm very sure the Pistons very much like Jalen Green because until two weeks ago, they weren't, they did not have the number one pick. Like they did not have any clue that they were going to have the number one pick. So they had to scout uh, six or more prospects. Like I'm sure they're scouting way more than six, but like, obviously they could have fallen to six. That was as far as they could have gone. So though, 
I'm sure they had like a top six uh, guys there because they could have fallen anywhere between that order. Um, so, but then when the Pistons win up one overall pick, it's like, oh yeah, you know, I really do like Jalen Green. I'm sure they like Evan Mobley too. They might even like Book Knight or any other guys. But damn it, we got Cade now. We got the number one overall pick. So now we can like those guys still, but we just like this guy a hell of a lot more now. Like, do you think that's like, that's my overall take on it. Like when the people come out and say, oh, the Pistons love, Jer- uh, uh, they love Jalen Green. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they also love Cade Cunningham a hell of a lot more now they got them one overall pick. That's my overall read on it. No, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. That's how I think it's going down. And you know, I think uh, I think the 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 other thing that helps like perpetuate this is that like Troy Weaver is infamously like a pretty quiet dude. So like you never you never really get the sense that like you know exactly what the Pistons are kind of up to. He, you know, completely redid the team in eight months. And so there's always a sense among other people in the NBA that like, hey, man, like the Troy Weaver's, you know, sly like a fox. He could be thinking something completely left of like what everybody else is thinking. And so like maybe there's an opportunity for that. And it's like that's totally that's true as well. Right. Like we we don't know exactly like what's going on in Troy Weaver's mind. Right. Like the last the last public comments I think he made was like the day after the lottery. He was like, you know, we think there's five really good players in this draft. We're going to vet everyone thoroughly. And it's like, yeah, like that, that's, that's absolutely what he should say, but like not coming out and like clearly saying like, we know who we're going to take, like opens up the door for a lot of people to, to speculate. Right. Like you remember the, um, remember the, remember the year Zion was, uh, was in the draft and the Pelicans got number one. And David Griffin was basically just like rubbing his hands together and glee every time he got interviewed about the chance yeah. to take Zion. Like when you do something like that, it closes the door on a lot of speculation. We haven't seen that from Troy Weaver. The door kind of stays open on that type of stuff. Fair enough. So then also I would say we had locked on, like I said, we had locked on NBA draft host Richard on yesterday. He's also the host of the, the his Mavericks podcast as well. Make sure you guys go check that, that out. But he mentioned that, you know, I asked him, actually, is there anything – because the main thing that I hear about Cade versus Jalen Green is athleticism. That's basically like, – I don't want to say that's like all Jalen Green has. Uh, I'm not some high scout guy. I'm not a big draft guy. But basically everything I read or anything I see, I basically get the gist that like, oh, yeah, Cade is basically better than him at everything else. But, you know, he doesn't have that elite athleticism. And that's what makes Jalen Green uh, pop off and make him such an intriguing prospect. Um, for you, Laz, is there anything that Jalen Green outside the athleticism that he brings to the table that is better than Kay Cunningham or makes him a better prospect than Kay Cunningham? Or for you, is it really just the fact that he's just so athletic it opens up more avenues possibly down the line? I think I think it's the way it's it's like the way that he can use his athleticism and that the way that like because because Cade isn't that level of athlete, there's a fear that he'll never be able to do certain things that Jalen Green can do. And the things that Jalen Green can end up doing are really valuable, right? Like, uh, there's uh, you you can definitely like make the case. I'm not going to make this case, but I'm this is me like playing devil's advocate for a second, and I don't like doing that, but whatever. Uh, you can you can you can make the case that like because Cade is like a a average to slightly above average NBA athlete, that like he won't be able to get all the way to the rim at times. Um, he won't be able to get like all the way. He won't be able to get to his spots and his shots in a super comfortable way against high level uh, NBA uh, defenders, like one on one, in the same way that Jalen Green will, because he's because he's a better athlete, because he's able to to separate from defenders with more ease. Um, you know, Jalen Green is, I believe, he's younger than Cade, and you look at Jalen Green, and he's really skinny right now, but he doesn't look like he's going to stay skinny forever. And so you imagine Jalen Green with like 30 more pounds on him and uh, a similar level of athleticism. And, you know, you can absorb a lot of punishment around the rim, uh, step through guys, elevate and finish. Like that's like that's a really intriguing player, right? Like that's why that's why Jalen Green is, is such a highly ranked prospect. But the thing I always say is when it's like when I was watching Jalen Green, when I was watching Evan Mobley, like during the year and I actually so I actually watched a lot of the ignite games live because uh when so when they first started playing i was technically unemployed at the time so like i had t- i had time <laughs> on my hands it was like 2 2 p.m basketball like sure man like i got nothing better to do um 
but uh so like I, I watched a bunch of their games live and the thing that like really stuck out to me about Jalen Green was that uh he was not he was like he was an amazing athlete the athleticism like jumps off the screen but he never really did a great job of making his teammates better right and that's not to say that he never can do that or he'll never learn to do that but when I watched Jalen Green is like that just like wasn't in his basketball DNA, right? And I think that that's like again like he's a really great prospect, but I think that if you get the like philosophically, if you get the chance to get a guy who, you know, has a similar ability to score and get his own baskets, um but also has the ability to play make and make other guys around him better and and lift guys up like you you have to go in that direction and so that that like the athleticism thing is definitely a thing between Jalen Green and Cade but my my counter to that is just Jalen Green doesn't have the consistent passing vision and like the consistent elevation of talent around him that uh that you know would that would make him a better prospect than Cade all right, so real quick before we move into some more of our ads and get into the last segment, which the last segment is going to run a little bit longer for all you guys. We're going to uh, t- talk about this more and expand on it, but just real quick, last question. You can answer this quickly real quick. Um, so Jalen Green, is there any – actually, you know what? What's the percentage you'd put on Jalen Green – I'm putting you on the spot right here. I'm sorry. Uh, but Jalen Green versus Kay Cunningham becoming a better player. What's the percentage that you put right now off the top of your head of Jalen Green becoming a better player than Kay? Like fifteen percent is like fifteen percent. Like like you, it's like it's like you know, eight percent. Like it just happens. Like Jalen Green eclipses Cade developmentally. You know, like four percent. Like somebody Cade suffers like a traumatic injury or something and is not never quite the same guy. And like uh, and like. How whatever percent is left? What did I say? Three percent. Four. This is like yeah. Okay, there we go. And like <laughs> and like three percent. You know, Jalen Green finds the perfect developmental situation, and uh, like I think of like think of like Jason Tatum in Boston, right? Like where uh, he was able to win at a high level right away, and I think that that like really put him in a in a great position to like be the player he is now to see like one, cause once you get a taste of like what high level basketball is like, it's like that really think that like forges you and molds you in ways that we, we tend to underrate. And so like, this is like Toronto trades up to two takes Jalen green, like immediately makes the Eastern conference finals or something. And like Jalen green is just, it is on like a higher trajectory immediately right away out of the gate than Cade. So it's like yeah, it's like it's 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 possible. It's not. It's definitely not impossible. But uh, I don't. I like. I don't think the. Uh, I don't think that's worth gambling on. Right. Fair enough. All right. When we come back, we're definitely gonna talk about that a lot more. Dive more into that, and then also, like I said, I've been teasing. There's another prospect I want to ask Laz about. But before we get into all that, let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, Rock Auto. You ever need a part for your car, head to the store, go through a ton of confusing questioning just for one of the workers to tell you they don't have the part you're looking for? I know that I have. There's, that's why you should avoid all these problems. Rock with another one of our sponsors, rockauto.com. Find whatever part you're looking for on your computer or in your hand on your phone using rockauto.com. Don't worry about having to create an account or making a membership. Just head over to rockauto.com and start shopping. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest and most reliable prices. Head over to Head over to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. And then also let me tell you guys about another one of our sponsors, BetOnline AG. Betting is not legal in Michigan, and if you're anything like me, you want to take advantage of that instantly. However, there's one problem I constantly ran into. There's just so many different apps to bet through. Which betting app is the best to use? Which one is the best for me? That's why I found BetOnline. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL season might be over, but the NBA and MLB are still in full swing. If you want to take your adventures beyond sports, however, BetOnline has you covered there too. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, things I didn't even know you could even bet on. BetOnline has real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline is the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head over to BetOnline now to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So 
Laz, I want to ask you a little bit more. We can talk a little bit more about Jalen Green real quick. Also, I want to tell you guys, uh, it's really hot in my room, and I was I was struggling a little bit right there with that Rock Auto library. I was struggling a little bit, man. Let me go ahead. <laughs> let, me, let me go ahead and get a drink of water real quick. Zaman, I'll tell you this. Like, so, uh, so my wife is pregnant. My wife is thirty weeks, pre- thirty-five weeks pregnant. Everyone, um, congrat! Everyone, give Laz a congratulations on that. Thank Happy you. for him. But it also means my house is constantly at sixty-eight degrees. Oh, is it's that like, wait? So is that hot or cold? To that's you? cold. That's cold. Okay, it's, thank God. Okay. I live. I live in North Carolina. It's like it's like eighty-five, like ninety-five degrees outside, and so like the the house is consistently like twenty degrees below outside, and she's just like lower. I'm like, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm freezing. I, I need some blankets. Lower. Who cares? <laughs> you see, because so me and Laz are podcasting right now. I got my camera up. You see this this like red hoodie? I have it right here, ready at all cases because. My fiance is the exact same way with keeping the, the the AC on at all times. So I have the jacket ready. I have the blankets behind me. I'm constantly freezing. But right now, she's not home. I have it off. Just got home from working out, so I'm, I'm pretty hot right now. But anyways, moving into Jalen Green. So like I've said multiple times, we had locked on NBA draft host Richard on yesterday. And he mentioned one. I brought this up to him because, Laz, you know who he is. But if you guys don't know who Hal is, follow him on Twitter at Hal Bridius. Um, I had him on a few weeks ago as well. I brought this up to Richard. Uh, I believe Hal said this. Uh, again, like I said yesterday, Hal, if you did not say this, tweet me and let me know. I'm completely misquoting you. <laughs> but, but I believe you said this. Uh, Jalen Green obviously has a lot of potential, but he brought up the fact, like I said, I believe it was Hal, but he brought up the fact that he could become like J.R. Smith to where it's like, yeah, he has all this talent offensively, but he doesn't really provide anything else. And obviously, I think IQ-wise, hurt uh jr smith as well i don't know if that's the same thing with jalen green but what do you think about that kind of comparison do you think that like because i know a lot of people seem to be sp- the big thing with jalen green that i'm hearing is like this huge ceiling everyone's saying like his ceiling is like out of like out of this world it's crazy but then also like people are saying well you know he could just be jr smith which is like basically a six man off the bench uh at his peak i guess um what do you think about that kind of th- comparison i think that's possible right i i wouldn't want to discount that i think from from what we know about Jalen Green and his mentality, he's like a little bit. He's got his head on a little bit more straight than J.R. Smith, so you you're not as necessarily as worried about that as much. But if you're thinking about like, okay, here's this super athletic six uh, five guy who is really only offense only, is like yeah, I, I could definitely see that as like a as a as an outcome for Jalen Green. So that would make him that'd make him a really really good player, just like a limited one. And mm-hmm. one that you like would be would be like a useful part of a contending team of a playoff team, but not like the main part of a playoff team of a contending team. And so, like, yeah, that's that's definitely a possibility for Jalen Green. One, I agree that people are kind of discounting, right? Like, people make the let's be nicer to Jalen Green, right? Like, people make the comparison to Zach Levine, right? Like, Zach Levine, um, really good player, has. Has has like worked his way into a much better playmaker than uh, he was when he like came out of uh, a UCLA, um, but like Zach Levine has also like really struggled to win consistently in the at the NBA level, and like part of that is definitely the team that they've put around him. Part of that is definitely like the fact that they were being coached by Jim Boylan for like eighteen months or whatever. But like um, even even like at the end of this season, right. Uh, the Bulls really struggled down the stretch. And I know Levine was, uh, he had COVID, right, for part of that. And that was part of the reason yes. why. But um, and but pe- and people think like very highly of Zach Levine. People think that Zach Levine is like destined or that he's like a really good player. But there's also like a giant question mark around whether or not uh, what he does translates into winning basketball. And like th- that, and, like you could, you could definitely see that being the case for uh for a guy like Jalen Green. Like conversely, right, you have a guy like Devin Booker, who people said similar things about. Now they add Chris Paul and uh better coaching and they're in the NBA finals, right? But uh and like that, that is also an important thing. But and Devin Booker I think is really important for that team. But you see that it took, you know, adding one of the best point guards of a generation and like the fifth or sixth head coach he's had in his career for them to find success consistently. And so uh, that that's to say that like Jalen Green 
has a really high ceiling, but you know, if if he doesn't hit that high ceiling, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, he like changes the the uh, trajectory of your franchise, right? And, that, and that's the case for other prospect. That's the case for other prospects as well. But uh, it's even more applicable to a guy who uh, really does one thing: score at like a high high level. All right. So there's another thing uh, we've talked about Jalen Green a lot on here. Uh, and I know some of you guys have tweeted at me and said, hey, you know, you might as well just tell us a little bit about Jalen Green. Talk about that since there's so much speculation. So I'm giving you guys what you want. Uh, I, I'm personally going to – me and Lance talked about this a little bit beforehand, before the podcast. I'm going to keep it above with you guys. I personally am not a big fan of this. I, I, I don't want – I'd rather us just like accept the fact that Cade is the guy. But, you know, I'm giving you guys what you want, and I'm accepting the fact that speculation's out there, and i got to lead into that. However, okay, so I also brought this up to Richard yesterday as well. Um, he it's something I've been reading about, about like scouting G leagues. I know it's harder. Well, I don't know about harder, but I've read about some of the, some of the tough things about scouting G league guys. And one of the things I brought up was I heard in Spotify groom, we were all in there arguing and stuff, talking about stuff. And someone said that it's harder to, to scout those guys in the G league. Cause figuratively, yeah, you're facing more, more of NBA ready guys than you would in college. But also the defense at that point is basically just like roll the ball out there and, hey, you score, you score, you score, and then we're all going to get home. Hopefully one of us gets to the NBA scoring a lot of points. If not, hey, we go home and we chill. Uh, do you agree with that kind of assessment that basically – I think the basic gist that I was hearing from all that is that Jalen Green's numbers look a little bit better than he actually is because the defense at that that level is – excuse my mouth – piss poor. I think – I don't think that's quite true. Uh, I think there's, I think there's something to it. Though. What I okay, so I'm let me instead of just like walking around it, let me just tell you what I think. So I think in college you have the potential to face um, like high level rim protection, right? Like you have the potential to face uh, big men who uh, will maybe one day like play in the NBA. I can tell you from like again from watching a lot of those G League Ignite games, like that does not exist in the G league. If you are, if you are six ten and doing a, and can do a decent job of like playing and drop coverage, you are playing in the NBA, right? G league has uh, a bunch of undersized, like six, eight dudes, like running around at center. Um, and that definitely affects like the type of defenses you see played in the G league. Um, that also like means that if you are able, like Jalen Green is, to get to the basket relatively easily, it's like it's much easier for you to finish around dudes, right? Because the the rim protection is, is lower. Um, it's like, yeah, I think I think there's something to that for sure. But I will say, but that also, but like the flip side of that is true as well. Like I think the perimeter defense you face in the G League is much better, much more at a high level, higher level than the perimeter defense you face in college. Um, the the officiating is another big factor right like you college refs suck and so um you'll you'll definitely get the chance to like play out on offense a little bit more than you in in the g league than you would in college um but yeah i don't think i think jalen green is like roughly as good as his g league numbers like said he is i don't think they're like massively inflated because he was playing up against like terrible defenses or anything um he he had good games and poor games right like um, he played, he played like really well against the nine Oh five in their playoff game. And he like, he had like six threes in a row or something crazy against the, uh, what's the Cavs G league team, the charge, the Canton charge, I believe. But he also had games where he struggled, right? He also had games where, um, defenses paid, uh, a lot of attention to him and he struggled to get other guys involved and he didn't, you know, hit the shots, hit some of like the step back threes and stuff that he normally makes. And so he had rough nights. Um, and so he had, he had, he had enough ups and downs that I think um, that the quality of like G league defense, like isn't re isn't like a major, major factor in his evaluation for me. All right. So we're finally going to move into this prospect that I've been teasing throughout the show. Um, Laz, there was a guy that I believe if I remember correctly, that you were really high on before the Pistons won the lottery. Um, so let's go ahead and go with this hypothetical. If the Pistons, God, God, please no. But if this, <laughs> if, this, if, this, if this hypothetical were to play out, and the Pistons do not select Kate Cunningham, is Jalen Green actually the pick? Like if if it's not Kate, uh, if it's not Cade, 
is it really Jalen Green for you, or is there someone else that you think should be the pick over Jalen Green? So if if I were running the team and Adam Silver like came to me and said, it's like if you take Cade, I'm gonna like fi- I'm gonna get you fired or something. I don't know, like invent whatever scenario you want. It's like the guy I would take it, it would be Evan Mobley. Um I believe Evan Mobley is uh just I think he's a better prospect than Jalen Green just because he can do more things that Jalen Green can do on a basketball court. It's just that like the things that Jalen Green does are more uh more outstanding. They're more in your face, right? The athleticism for Green like jumps off the page in a way that like the shot blocking and positioning for Evan Mobley like doesn't just just on watch. But, you know, I watched a good I didn't watch as many USC games as I as I did Ignite games simply because like USC plays on the West Coast like I you know didn't stay up to watch the the Colorado game live or whatever but um the things that Evan Mobley could do defensively in college just like was horrifying he was terrifying these dudes in a way that I haven't seen since uh since Anthony Davis on defense Right. Like there there have been other like good rim protectors in college like since that time, but nobody who A inspired that level of fear and B could go out and like uh cover guys on the perimeter for two or three dribbles, which is like usually more than enough in college. Um and, and like make things happen that way. Um he also like he he flashed the shooting potential, right? I think he shot like twenty nine percent from three or something, but if you if you watched all of his, uh, if you watch like most of his shots, it's like you can see this on his free throws and you can see this on his long jumpers. They were mostly like short, not like uh, not left or right, uh, but short or long. And so like that tells you that um, like that's a slight mechanical thing in my mind. And so like that tells me that you could easily get to a point where Evan Mobley is all of a sudden like a seven feet tall, three level scorer who also like is a rim protector. And that to me is much more, that archetype is much more valuable to me than the offense, mainly explosive athlete playmaker or the explosive athlete scorer guy that Jalen Green is. And that's why I would, you know, if you, if, you know, God forbid the, you made me trade back from two, from one or something to two, I would probably be more interested in Evan Mobley than, uh, than Jalen Green. All right, so lastly, I guess this will be the last thing I guess we talk about here. Um, so, Laz, is there any hypothetical legit, like any any hypothetical or any way that you see in your future, like in the Pistons' future, that either one, a trade happens and some team actually gives – okay, actually, you know what? Let me start that over. I, I was going to say, like, a, a trade happens, like, sure, man, like any trade can happen, <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> So a few weeks ago, I believe it was a week and a half ago, I reported that the Pistons right now at that time, unless we got a godfather offer that the Pistons, uh, that Kate Cunningham was the overwhelming favorite to go to the Pistons. Do you believe there is one, a godfather offer out there, even like possible for the Pistons to take that would make them not want to take Cade? Or two, do you actually think there's, like in your opinion, do you think that there's a way or any kind of hypothetical with the Pistons are like, you know what? We're just going to take Jalen Green. We like him more than Cade, and it's going to happen. So I think there is like a Godfather out there offer out there for Detroit, right? If uh, I don't know, like New Orleans calls you up and is like, "Hey, we'll trade you Zion for the number one pick," right? Like you, you would, you would definitely have to call a meeting and be like, "Is <laughs> like is Zion like Zion's better than Cade?" Right? Like we we have to do this deal, right? Like, but like that's probably not going to happen. But like that's the level of like Godfather offer, right? If um if if Minnesota called you up and was like, hey, we'll give you like Carl Anthony Towns for the number one overall pick, it's like you you would have to call a meeting, right? Like you'd have to be like, you know, like Carl was like, Cade is an elite level prospect, um, and we love his potential, but like Carl Anthony Towns is already like one of the three best offensive centers that have like ever lived. We we should consider we could should heavily consider that right. Um, Wait, Laz, I thought you had like a little hidden agenda kind of thing against Cat. I, th- I thought you. Yeah, I thought I'm you not. Just I'm not a, like Cat. 
I'm not a big cat fan, but if they offer you cat, like you, you have to take the meeting, right? <laughs> like you can't, you can't just like hang up the phone and say no, right? You, you, have, you gotta talk you. about it. Uh, and and also like I figured cat was a little bit more realistic than Jokic, right? Like Denver's not Denver's <laughs> not trading go. Jokic, right? Like <laughs> so, I you had to go a little bit more realistic. Um, you know, uh, but like, do I think there's is like do if if Oklahoma City is like we'll give you eight first round picks um including like number 6 this year um like for for one is that enough value for Cade it's like the answer is probably not right just because the the odds that any one of those picks are uh end up like at one are like are low enough to the point where it's not really worth it any the odd that any one of those picks turns into like a game changer at the level that that Cade is at like kind of makes that trade, you know, not worth it. It that is a huge gamble. That's a big mystery box, and I think Cade is worth more than the mystery box at this point. Now, to answer I your second, actually, no, go actually, ahead. I want you to. I was gonna want to dive into more what you just said because that is like a point that I've been trying to hammer home like over the past week. And I honestly, to be honest, I feel like I've struggled to like make that point. And I, I want kind of want to dive a little bit more into that. So. People have been saying, like, OKC has this Godfather offer. Like, look at all the picks they have. Look at all the, the treasure chest of hypothetical assets that they have. But really, like, there's obviously value in picks, obviously. There's value there. However, like, are they – see, I struggle to talk about it. I, I struggle to put it out in words. But, like, how much of an asset are these picks really compared to this number one overall pick? Because, like you said, one, you don't know where these picks are going to land. You don't know what players are going to be available in this draft, where they land. You don't know if there's going to be the quality of player that Kay Cunningham is. You don't know if those draft picks are going to fall, rise. You don't know anything about that. You don't know where your team will be. Because a lot of these picks are like three years down the line. You don't know where the Pistons will be at that point. You don't know like where – like there's so many hypotheticals that have to go into it, so many question marks into it to where I'm sitting back like, yeah, OKC has these picks. But like from a Pistons point of view, at least in my opinion, like how much of an asset are these really for us and really for like – I mean, even any team that trades with OKC, if they just offer you like, hey, we're going to give you all these picks, I just struggle seeing like, yes, obviously picks are assets, but like there's so many question marks that go along with these picks. And it's just like eight draft picks for Kay Cunningham. I know usually people would be like, oh my God, that's eight first round picks, take it. But then even then I'm like, dude, the Pistons need the guy. They have the, the guy in their hands right now. Why give that up? Actually, someone said this. Someone said this is the most perfect analogy here and i watched this episode all the time it's the episode family guy where like it's like oh my god we can you can get a boat or you can take the mystery box no we'll take the mystery box it can even be a boat that's that's basically that's basically what's going on here in my opinion what would be like if you did those draft picks for me it's like the okc like pick compilation thing is not for a team that's where detroit is at right like detroit is on the way up like you add Cade to go up the okc pick compilation thing is for a team that's on the way down it's for a team that's like uh we've hit a ceiling with uh we've hit a ceiling with zach levine to like bring it back to that guy it's like we've hit a ceiling with zach levine we love him we think he's a great player we think he can win at uh at the next level we just can't build a team around him and so like we're gonna trade zach levine for like four uh for like two first round picks and and a swap and uh and like rebuild our team right like we're, we're going to use these picks to, to to like to rebuild the team the the pistons rebuild is like already happening right like it's already started it started last year with the three guys they took in the first round and in the signing of jeremy grant and so the pistons don't they don't need to like build up from ground zero so they don't need the picks to do that like we've we, like we talked about it like way at the beginning of this podcast right like they've done a great job like uh developing and scouting and finding like guys who fit around a star but never really like getting that star into place it's like they need the star in place now and like this is the the high the top pick in the draft is normally the way you get the star and so like you don't have to jump through all the hoops so it's like yeah like the the oklahoma city package is like definitely more worth it to uh another team somewhere down the line it's definitely going to be like an asset play for that team it is just it just doesn't look like that situation is like right for detroit right like who who are some like disgruntled guys right like if um 
if the if OKC was like slightly better, I could see a situation where they'd be like, here's three first round picks for Ben Simmons, right? And something like mm-hmm. that could work. A, a situation where um, it appears like Ben Simmons is like a, a very, very clearly a very good player, but like not going to be on that Philadelphia 76ers team for much longer either. And so it's like, well, if we know this guy is good and we know this guy isn't like going to be on our team much longer, like let's let's take the let's take the picks. Let's find like let's find a home for for some of these guys. Let's take the 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 couple coin flips, right? We'll take the randomness that uh, that could come out of those picks instead of like what we already have in Ben Simmons. The Pistons are not in a position where they need randomness, right? Like they've already figured some stuff out. They've already got Sadiq Bay. They've already got Isaiah Stewart. They've already got Killian Hayes. They've already got Jeremy Grant. It's like they need like another. They they need they know who they need. They need another dude. The dude's Cade. There you go. And I think the the comparison I'd make, the one I keep thinking in my head, is it's probably the most extreme version, but basically like what Boston and Brooklyn did uh, a long time ago, like a team with a lot of p- picks and they just like, they want to take that step into contending or trying to contend. And then other teams like, you know, we're going to blow this thing up. Because like you said, the team going up and then a the team going down, that's like the match made in heaven right there. I don't think the Pistons are that, like you said. But I cut you off in the middle of the second question. Do you think that there's a... Do you think that there's a legitimate future where you believe the Pistons actually say, you know what, we're not drafting K, we're going, we're going Jalen Green here? I don't think so. And and again, that's like not to say that Jalen Green sucks or that he's not talented or that he's not like a, a very high tier prospect. Like Jalen Green probably goes like considering Anthony Edwards went number one in last year's draft. It's like maybe that was the wrong decision, maybe that was the right decision. Decision like we'll see in like three to four years or whatever. But like Jalen Green pretty clearly like outplayed Anthony Davis in uh, in his year in college, right? So you could make the case that Jalen Green would have been the best prospect in last year's draft. But um, that also means that like Cade would have been the best prospect in last year's draft, right? It's just the the Cade Cade is a better he's a better option. He's a better solution to than to like what the Pistons need than Jalen Green is. Fair enough. All right, so quick question, and we'll end it with this very last question. Um, do you have any worries? Basically, you could basically give me just a yes or no. I, I think I know your answer to this, but do you have any worries about Kate and Killian fitting together? No, not really. I think I think the the whole we have two point guards is kind of overblown. Uh, like Cade plays or Cade plays point guard, Killian plays point guard. Isn't that some sort of natural conflict? Is like no, not really. Like having having multiple uh, playmakers on the floor at the same time is good. If uh, if like hypothetically, Cade was like a terrible defender or something, I could see a situation where you'd be like, somebody's got to cover for Cade constantly, and that makes life next to Killian hard. And it's like, well, uh, but like that that's not the world we live in. So like it works fine. Um, Oklahoma State took the ball out of Cade's hands on occasion to make his life easier just because like when you have the ball you usually also have all the defensive pressure right like not nine sets of eyes are on you um and so they took the ball out of his hands to like post him up or move him off ball or um you know run him around uh like they they ran him around some like sideline out of bounds plays to get him some open shots that like stuff because he's such a good shooter that stuff I think the Pistons could end up doing um at the next level and so it's like, yeah, like uh, if Cade if Cade doesn't necessarily like have the ball in his hands all the time, that's not a terrible thing. Um, and I don't think that's like uh, I don't think that's like taking anything away from Killian. I will say though, like you know, like people know that like I was super high on Killian and that he didn't have a good year, and so like there's a little bit of walking back of that. And so I will say like uh, like I expect Killian to turn into a, a pretty good shooter. If he doesn't do that, then like yeah, the the fit between them is a little weird because at that point it's like well, Killian needs the ball in his hands and can't shoot, and Cade needs the ball in his hands and can shoot, and so it's like we should just surround Cade with more guys who can shoot and let Killian like run the second unit or be traded or something. But like I the the Pistons seem pretty positive that Killian is going to turn things around. I remain really encouraged by what I saw from Killian kind of late in the year. I'm working on his, uh, I'm working on his like season ending uh, recap thing for Detroit bad boys night right now. So I'm going back and like watching some of his stuff and it's like, he's, 
is like uh, there's a lot of like very uh there's a lot of like technical things that like he definitely needs to work on um but the the talent and the stuff he does just like it it's so it's so there it just like didn't flash all the time so like that you would like to see a lot of what makes killian special more consistently and i i have every faith that like that's going to happen in the future but like that's that's a long answer to your question but like no i'm not worried about Caden killian in the same backcourt so before before baby Laz comes out uh we're gonna need to get you back on here again because i really want to talk with i want to talk with you about k uh, not k killian today uh, but we're running long here, so we can't do that today. So I definitely need to get you back on here and talk about him because I've done a complete 180 in February, which is real quick. I'm trying to wrap this up fast. I wasn't as high on Killian Hayes. Uh, I was trying to be fair because I knew it was only a limited amount of games. I'm not going to lie. I was sitting there like, okay, this is not – he's definitely not looking that good right now. Uh, at the last half of the – or when he came back from uh, injury and going back and watching some of the film and, and seeing all the things I saw, I see everything, why you guys like him so much. I'm – I've become extremely high on him. Uh, one of the things I've always point out is I feel like, oh my God, I'm running too long. Uh, one of the things that I really like about him, I'll wrap it up here, is that I feel like that he has a really good, like I, me and my boys call it like a yin-yang handle to where he can like yank guys around and he did that a lot. Uh, there's a lot of times I feel like that I watched on film that he would get himself an advantage or create an open trap for himself or, or create like a possibility just to take a guy and he'd be like, he'd just stand there and like not do it. Like he'd do the hearts thing and then just like not, take advantage of what he just did. And I, I, that was the most frustrating part about watching. I'm like, what the hell, dude? You just did the hard part. Just go now. So I feel like that's definitely something that's going to end up happening for him. I think that's the, like I said, I think that's the hardest part about developing that part. And he has that part down in my opinion. So I'm really high on him, but we're running along. Like I said, we'll definitely have Laz on here again to talk about that. Cause I know he's a killing guy and I definitely want to talk about killing really bad to be honest. So we'll have Laz back on here and real quick today on the road to the finals our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra it's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories we can all enjoy the game a little bit more this season the Bucks game is coming on in a few minutes I believe the Bucks even the series out tonight Laz what's your prediction real quick about tonight's game hoping for Bucks 2-2 fair enough I'm also hoping for Bucks 2-2 I'm going for Giannis finals MVP but <laughs> thank you Laz for coming on here man let everybody know where they can find you again yeah thanks for having me on Koo really appreciate it Find me on Detroit Bad Boys. Find me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. You can listen to my podcast, Pistons versus Everybody, and the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Thank you, Last Man, again, for coming on here. I really appreciate it. It was a fun episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll catch you guys on Friday. And until then, I'll see you guys later. Peace out, everybody.